Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of A Little Breathing Space. And as those of you of my regular listeners know, this is a series where we are talking to women about their menopause journeys. And today we're going to be talking to a guest here about something that doesn't get raised quite as much in the media and all the conversation and that is really an early menopause. And in the case of my guest, this was a really early one, and I know she's going to share her story. So I'd really love to welcome Carolyn Hobday to A Little Breathing Space. Hi. Hi. Welcome, Carolyn, and thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast. You're welcome. It's great to be here. Great. And I know that you have got a very special story because your menopause was really, really early, wasn't it? It was, yeah, although I didn't discover um, the, how early it was um, until quite a number of years later. When exactly did your menopause begin or when you actually discovered that it had started? Um, so I was 32 when I discovered that I'd gone through the menopause. Um, and when I then traced back, um, because I didn't know, um, I'd been backwards and forwards with the doctors for many years um, with various issues and um, which I thought were related to the contraceptive pill um, because I'd been on it throughout that time. Um, and uh, when I then sort of started to trace it back in terms of then understanding more about the menopause and the symptoms, because to be honest, I was pretty ignorant. Um, like most people, I just thought it was hot flushes and, and that was that, um, um, given the age that I was. Um, so when I started to trace it back, I think probably around about the age of 24, um, would be wow. where I trace it back to that, now what I understand about the symptoms and therefore when I can relate to when those were happening to me. And of course you would have never have had any kind of diagnosis from a doctor. Well, you didn't even know, did you all relate the two together? I mean, 24 is incredibly young. I mean, often when we hear about early menopause, uh, you know, we're talking much more in terms of, you know, your early thirties uh, maybe or, or mid thirties, but 24 is super young. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the thing that I struggled with an awful lot is that nobody could explain why, um, because quite often when it happens that that early um, is for a particular reason, most commonly um, related to um, young women who um, have cancer and go through chemotherapy and it prompts the menopause. Um, but I, I had I had none of that. So I had I had no and I still to this day have no explanation as to why it happened. Wow, that, that's really tough because that was then literally just a biological event that was that just occurred for you. Yeah, and, and I think I'd say for a really long time, the, the why and the not knowing why was what really troubled me. Um, that really sort of tied me up inside for, for a long time. Um, and I think it's one of the things I had to come to terms with ultimately is to say actually, it is just one of those things, you know, there doesn't appear to be any kind of explanation. And I just had to learn to accept that. But that did take me quite some time. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, that I mean, I think sometimes it's hard enough for women who are in their 40s and 50s to have acceptance, even though it's a natural event. But 24 seems it feels almost like it's unfair. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think that's uh I think that's a reasonable um uh emotion I, I think yeah a, a massive sense of injustice um and not least because what you think you have in your head in terms of your life and, and, and what it's going to look like and, and the fact that you have choice you think you have choice yeah. um and suddenly that choice is just stripped away from you um I think that that was really part of what felt really unfair 
and still today there's not there's not an explanation it just was and that's what doctors have given you as the explanation yeah i mean i had i had a very interesting incident um a few years ago um, literally just a few years ago um because what i find very commonly is that i turn up um, at the doctors and um typically i still to this day you know get asked so you know when was your last period and that kind of thing because you know one of my massive frustrations is that you sit in front of um particularly general practitioners and they've not looked at your notes and understood anything about you so i sort of have to go back through that rigmarole um regularly in terms of um you know, when was your last period? And then explaining the story all over again. Um, and I had such an incident with a, a locum GP, um, actually a few years ago. And, um, yeah, she, she then asked me the question, um, have you ever been tested for down syndrome? Um, wow. What a thing to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so she said, like, oh, did you ever get an explanation? I said, no. She said, have you ever been tested for down syndrome? And I was like, whoa and, and and I just sort of went no and kind of laughed because I couldn't believe she'd asked it me and it wasn't until I went away afterwards and thought how shocking was that you know because at that point you know, I was in um you know it's a few years ago so you know in my early 40s um and again you know I, I don't want to sound remotely disrespectful to anyone who has or has a relative or anyone close to them that has down syndrome that's not you know but you know we we sort of understand a what down syndrome sort of uh, how it presents itself um and you know whilst there's huge opportunity now which is amazing for people with down syndrome you know i guess i felt like the way that i was looking and presenting myself to that woman you know i'd had a i got a you know senior level position um in an organization i, I yeah i i couldn't really believe that i'd been asked that question and i think that just also brings up the level of just general misunderstanding or lack of sufficient knowledge that that, that can occur among uh, GPs about menopause when it can occur what it's about that women at all ages are actually uh, being confronted with yeah I think it's a huge issue I, I'd like to think that you know gradually it's starting to get better and I think some of it's getting better because of the media and and you know um, people like yourself who are, are talking about these issues and um, there being more stuff um, you know in the general media about menopause but I think it's a huge huge gap um, in women's knowledge um, because we don't talk about it enough um, even though you know a hundred percent of women go through it we we sort of treat it like it's a minority matter um, but I think GPs particularly I've had some horrific experiences in terms of things that have been said to me um, you know in terms of my whole experience in terms of my diagnosis itself um, just massively massively mishandled um, um, by a number of different sort of bodies within um, certainly you know the, the National Health Service um, in the UK where oh. yeah just huge ignorance but I think that actually is not a reflection of the UK NHS. I think that's a reflection of doctors' training. And I, and I don't want to knock doctors because I don't actually blame them when menopause maybe gets discussed in, uh, in a handful of lectures at, at medical yeah. school. Um, they're thrown out into a world and then they know absolutely nothing else about it. And then they're just taught HRT as a certain age group. 
Um, and if it doesn't, you know, and I know women here who are 40 in my, who are my clients or who are among my network who say, well, I've been there and I've been tested and they tell me that I'm not men perimenopausal, but I, I clearly am. There's something not yeah. right here, but it's not showing up because they're not running the full range of tests because they cost. And so they have absolutely no idea. <laughs> no, and I agree with you. You know, I think that it's, um, you know, where we need to target it isn't, um, you know, just at, at GPs, it's, uh -huh. it, you know, it's, it's the training that they receive, which is where the change needs to happen. Yes. Um, because like I said, it happens to a hundred percent of women, completely, obviously different experiences for, for all of those women. But, um, you know, it's, it's not like it's something that might happen. Um, and you know, that the training they receive, I, I completely agree. I think it's not prioritized. Um, we don't really understand what it does, what the, what the physical impacts are, and particularly the psychological impacts are. Um, and J, like you say, GPs sort of chucked out there and said, right, you know, just get on with it. And it's just one of a number of, um, you know, things that, that, that they get trained about, that they've got to sort of retain that data in their head and they've got to take an interest in it um, then to research any further. And I, I was fortunate enough to come into contact with somebody who, um, because her mother's menopause actually had been so dreadful, um, she'd actually become a, an expert in the menopause and done much, much deeper research um, about it. And she said exactly that. She was a trained surgeon, so she'd gone through the normal sort of medical school, and she said yeah. the menopause nah, barely featured in anything that they got taught. No, no. And I think that, that that's just a fact of what needs to change. I mean, I think that's true for a lot of their training. It's infection control and good surgical procedures. But, you know, my own experience in mental health and, and, in, and in, in pain management, that goes alongside those sorts of things as well. So that is a, a much bigger, bigger issue that's here. But I mean, just wind back a bit, Carolyn, when you actually had symptoms, were they common menopause symptoms when you were in your, in your 20s? Were they, I mean, apart from hot flashes, were they, and you didn't have those maybe, but other types of symptoms that today we would say, yes, they're menopausal, perimenopausal. Um, so I think um, sort of reflecting back, yes, I mean, I've never had a hot flush. Um, and I think it's, it's one of those things, again, that, you know, 25% of women don't have hot flushes. Right. And yet the first thing that we go to in terms of talking about the menopause is, oh, yes, you know, is it me or is it hot in here? Um, yeah, yeah, so it's a reductionist it's, viewpoint of Yeah, so, um, so I never had a hot flush. I had um, probably in my early 30s, um, so late 20s, early 30s, I had, um, I had a couple of night sweats. Um, but not really bad, you know, like women describe sort of absolutely saturated, have to get out of bed, get changed, change the bed sheet, not to that extent. Um, but in my early twenties, um, horrific periods, my periods were all over, like just heavy and awful for most of the time. Um, so certainly I went through a couple of years, which is why I thought it was the contraceptive pill and I was going back to the force of the doctors. Um, I think I had probably about two years where I bled every single day. Um, and I would have about one day a month, two if I was lucky, where I didn't lose any blood at all. Um, and there were times then when those periods were really, really difficult, painful. Um, but again, I, I, I thought it was, you know, to do with, um, you know, sort of the other end, I guess, of the, uh, um, of the hormone journey um, and certainly to do with the contraceptive pill. Um, um, I think when I look back now, I think the kind of... Um, um, I would say sort of the moodiness, 
um, and the brain fog. Yes. Um, I certainly remember those. But again, I used to think I'm tired and, you know, they're busy at work. And I mean, God, I wish I'd almost had, you know, known it was menopause. And I could have gone, oh, look, it's actually this. This is why I'm a bit of an idiot. <laughs> yeah. um, yes. I feel a bit, a bit cheated that I didn't get an opportunity yeah. to blame the menopause. Um, but I do remember that, you know, sort of at times, you know, the, you know, not, you know, knowing, feeling a little bit, you know, obviously very similar because obviously it wasn't that far, um, you know, many years earlier that I'd gone through puberty. Yeah. Um, and I would say to people, you know, the menopause is really just puberty in reverse, but going on for much longer. Um, <laughs> so that sense of, you know, the, the sort of, um, you know, the moody teenager thing yes. um, where you sort of can't control your emotions very well. You, you know, yeah, I remember that. I remember that in my, in, you know, my twenties and, and into my, into my thirties. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and you think about that, if you'd actually kind of had someone who worked with you and charted those, I mean, you might have seen some pattern in them, you know, and thinking, wow, that, that is quite typical symptoms. But of course, very heavy periods can be endometriosis type things yeah. as well. So, uh, you know, I'm surprised really, but, but I suppose it's that lack of sort of charting and measuring and that, that, that doesn't show. And no one ever offered you a hormone test at that stage, did they? No, um, I had one, um, well, how, how I discovered, um, that I'd gone through the menopause is that when I was 32, um, that's when I, I was, I was trying for a baby and, um, and you know, I'd, I'd come off the contraceptive pill and, and like my periods never, like they just stopped. Um, so it was really odd um, that I've gone to for years and years and years of just sort of these awful constant, um, heavy periods. And then I sort of came off the contraceptive pill and I never had another period again, ever. Um, and I went to the doctors kind of going, Oh, like this doesn't seem quite right. And I don't know whether it's just the pill working its way out of my system, et cetera, et cetera. And I had, they did hormone tests then. I think the really dreadful bit was, is that, um, I, I had the tests, I rang up for the results. So it was able to get them over the phone from my GP surgery. And, um, I was told that it's absolutely fine. The results all came back, um, fine. Um, and that was the end of that. And then several months later, probably another six months, um, went by and still sort of nothing. And I went back, um, to physically see the GP and, um, and I said, look, and I had these tests done about um, a number of months ago and she looked on the system. I could tell straight away from her face and she just went, oh, and I was like, well, what, what does O mean? And, you know, I eventually I asked for a printout of the tests and, you know, the, and again, I'm not blaming the receptionist, but, you know, whoever it was that told me on the end of the phone that my results were fine, even as a non-trained medical professional, I could look at those results um, and it actually said that, um, you know, in terms of some of my hormones, they weren't right. And it said that I was menopausal on my test results. Wow. And so what the person on the end of the phone hadn't equated was that when I rang up, I was a 32 year old woman and my test results said that I was menopausal. And no, she told of course me not. Cause she fine. just saw their test results and said, Oh, that's a woman who's in menopausal. She's just yeah. menopausal. Yeah, fine. Okay. Well, fine. everything's normal then. And, and be, yeah. that, that is, I'm just, don't, I'm almost speechless, Carolyn, to be honest, because, uh, you know, it's sort of like brushed aside. And then obviously for you that the, the sort of trauma and wanting to have a baby and then all, none of this is happening is it's a huge emotional thing because even if yeah. it, it was infertility, I mean, we know how much couples go through and women in particular go through that process. But for you, that was kind of already over without you. Yeah, I, there was, there was, yeah, no, no hope. Um, 
for me at that point, it was just well and truly over. And then, and I always say to this day that it's not, um, the, the childlessness has been, you know, was, and, and at certain times now still remains kind of difficult, um, to, you know, to, to deal with, but it actually, for me, ended up not really being about, um, the childlessness. It, it totally became about what had happened in my body. Um, and it became about the menopause. That's, that was the grieving that I had to go through more of than the childlessness. Cause in some senses, you now I wanted a child, but you know, you sort of, you know, I, I can't sort of miss what you'd never had um a little bit and 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 like i said i did grieve that at different points um but how finding out that i'd gone through the menopause then made me feel as a woman was the bit that i really 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 had to to try and come to terms with absolutely and and that's that that is just an enormous thing to take on emotion i mean what kind of support did you get to go through that emotional stage um at the time i'd say very little um i think that was a combination of two things i think one the support that was on offer was really poor um and secondly i think at the outset i just wasn't ready to receive that support i think i was in such a state of shock and devastation that it just wasn't right for me i think it my my grieving and my coming to terms with it took a long time um after that diagnosis but even after I went and saw my GP who sort of went, oh, um, you know, the results say you've gone through the menopause or the result, you know, the results sort of aren't great. They didn't actually confirm straight off that it was the fact that I'd gone through the menopause. But she sent me to a consultant, you know, fairly swiftly beyond that. A couple of weeks later, I went to a consultant um, um, who was a man. I think that's um, never helpful. Um, And also was in a clinic where I had to sit amongst lots of pregnant women um also not helpful no um but um i i went to see him and i think that again was just the most dreadful experience um because you know there i was i, th- I think by that point I was, I was sort of 33 um by then and i was sitting in front of him and he kind of didn't know what to do with me because i didn't fit the profile you know i should have been 52 you know um i didn't fit the profile um and he he you know, so I sort of said, look, um, I'd got an inkling obviously before I went that potentially they were going to tell me, um, that I'd gone through the menopause. Um, it was absolutely my worst outcome. Um, that I was hoping he was going to tell me it wasn't that, but, um, so I'd sort of prepared myself a little bit in terms of, you know, questions. And I just said to him, so what can I do? Um, cause he, he wrote me a prescription for HRT and sort of slid it across the desk and, oh. and that, was that. Um, <laughs> that's a bit late. <laughs> yeah. Um, have some HRT here. Um, <laughs> And, um, I said to him, so what can I do, you know, sort of in terms of lifestyle and diet, you know, what can I do to, um, to sort of, you know, help myself or improve the situation. And he paused and sort of went, "Mm, uh, he said, well, your body mass index is too low. So I'd recommend that you eat the occasional chip butty. What? Oh, oh, I'm just I'm not like, like no um positive lifestyle type no 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 yeah no chip butty that was his recommendation wow yeah. wow so he he obviously was just uh, totally kind of flummoxed and you wonder what advice he was giving to menopause for women who were in their 50s probably yeah something similar you know but I mean in some ways of course that's that sort of takes away the fact that your body is the same as a 50 year old woman I mean you've been through the same process and we would be 
thinking about the requirements in terms of bone health and cardiovascular health and, and, and brain health that you know, is now being more routinely given to women who are in their late 40s and 50s to, for the requirements because of the change in hormones. But there you are, you know, you received a chip butty as your advice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely. You know, and I, I think it's shocking and it's sad as well, you know, yeah. because then yeah. you're left without the support. I mean, you, you went obviously from there to, to make a change yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not for quite some time. Yeah. Um, I didn't take the HRT that he prescribed me um, because I felt that I'd been putting, um, like I said, the contraceptive pill into my system for um, a number of years. And I didn't know sort of what part that had played either in prompting what had happened, because like I said, I had no explanation as to why it happened or similarly potentially masking what was going on. True. Um, so I, I just thought, you know what, I'm doing nothing um, for now and I'm, I'm going to try and educate myself a bit more because I'm not going to just blindly take this, you know, this, this medication that I've been given. Um, so I think I, you know, I went off, I did, um, you know, um, I did some research. Um, like I said, I happened to by serendipity really find somebody who, um, had spent some time, um, researching, um, about the menopause. You know, I tried some, um, some natural hormone treatments, um, yeah, it just was a, you know, a bit of a journey, but I think certainly in terms of the NHS, you know, everything that I did, I had to, I paid for myself because, um, in terms of the NHS, I think I mentally sort of checked out from them, yeah. um, quite a lot, um, because I, I felt that they'd failed me on a number of fronts. Um, so yeah, it was sort of a long old process really. Um, and, and then, you know, latterly through, during that time in my, in, um, well, actually in my early forties, I got diagnosed with osteoporosis, um, again, um, a blunder, um, in terms of the diagnosis, cause actually it turned out that I'd had a, a bone density test at the age of 39. Um, and it showed that I had osteoporosis at that point. Um, but they didn't tell me, um, it was only when I had a, a further bone density test that I had to push for really hard, like three years later, um, that I then received a letter that said, due to your worsening osteoporosis. Oh my goodness. Um, so they hadn't told me in the first instance, because I think I kind of would have remembered. Um, yeah. And they didn't put me on any treatment. So they yeah. clearly couldn't have told me and they didn't put me on any treatment. So I'd had osteoporosis for at least three years before I started any any treatment for that. Um, so um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's been a real challenge um, from that point of view in terms of sort of finding myself to the, to the right person, the right place. And again, you know, I was very fortunate that events conspired and, and I got a recommendation of um, somebody to see who, who was through the, through the health service um, who specialized in, um, uh, in, in the menopause um, in particular. Um, and it was the first time that I'd sat in front of somebody who, when I walked in, had read my history and was able to repeat back to me sort of what I'd been through um, and where I was at, um, and then able to sort of coherently talk to me about a treatment plan. But that was 10 years after I first got diagnosed. But yeah, that's an enormously long time to live with this, to live with the changes in your body, but also the emotional um, upheaval that such a, an event or such a, a transition so unexpected occurs. It is. And I think as well, you know, again, I would sort of go back to some of that in itself was um, 
sort of self-inflicted in terms of like, you know, that help and support or not getting that help and support. I, I felt incredibly embarrassed. Um, I told very few people what had happened because I just felt mortified um, because I'd gone from, you know, literally I was taking folic acid thinking, right, I'm trying for a baby. And then sort of got this diagnosis and the following day was like, oh, right. Okay. I went into the pharmacy and, you know, got some, some pills for, you know, some just the over the counter stuff in terms of, you know, helping manage the menopause. You know, I was totally mortified. My yeah. whole perception of myself changed my whole, how I felt about myself changed. Um, and I think I hid, I hid for a really long time, um, from sort of the, the emotional impact of it. And, um, you know, I, I think the idea of going and talking to somebody or just telling people, you know, this is what I had was, you know, I found that very, very difficult. No, I'm not, I'm not surprised about that because we have sort of some very strange ideas in a society about what menopause is. And it, it, as you said, it's people think it's hot flashes and you're a bit moody and we don't understand in the society in general, although it's changing a little bit now, just how big the emotional side of it is just how yeah. yeah and i think that that for me you know working with menopausal women myself i think is the biggest thing we the next barrier to to kind of leap over that this is a huge emotional journey and if it occurs unexpectedly like it did without explanation for you or due to it being early due to cancer or a hysterectomy of some for some reason then there's an added kind of deeper grief if you like that we have to 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 be able to have support and work through definitely you know I felt like I you know I woke up the following morning and looked at myself in the mirror and I thought I have no idea who you are um you know I sort of that, that's how I felt I my sense of identity had completely been ripped out from under me um, and I think that's the bit that just took, took, took a really long time. And I think now, you know, turning things like around to, to a positive, you know, because I can yes. obviously talk about my story in terms of, you know, it was terrible and the diagnosis was rubbish and there's yes. no support yes. and the rest of it. And, you know, mm. and I don't, I absolutely don't sit here feeling um, negative or feeling like a victim because I think, right, it's now I'm really passionate about talking about it. You know, I'm now 46. So I'm now sort of more acceptably in the range of what normal menopause would be. So it's like, right, I'm out there and talking about it. I'm healthier than I've ever been. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I'd like to think the feedback is that, you know, I look pretty good for my age. Um, cause I think that was all part of it for me is that I suddenly sort of thought, but, but menopause is something that happens to old ladies. Um, you yeah. know, and when you're sort of in, in your early thirties, you know, that's sort of how it feels. It's like my mum has been through her menopause. You know, this is not, <laughs> this is not me. Um, <laughs> So I, I think that, you know, for me now, I'm really passionate about, you know, the fact that now if you think about it, you know, the menopause um, sort of typically is somewhere between the ages sort of 45 and 55. And you think now, you know, at the age of 45, you know, women are having children later. So the women of, of 45 can be the mums that are standing at the school gate. Um, you know, they're not the grandmothers um, that are standing at the school gate. Um, and, I, and, and therefore, I think that you know, it, changing that perception that menopause isn't an old lady issue, um, that actually it's just like a hormone issue. It affects every woman. We should actually be preparing for it before it happens and thinking about how we can support and help our bodies, um, how we can help ourselves yeah. mentally, how we can prepare for it, how we can raise the conversation about it um, and talk about people. I think there's a huge positive opportunity for it to not be something that we're then end up like massively embarrassed about and it just happens to old ladies and we don't really talk about no i um, think that that is the opportunity 
that is definitely the opportunity, Carolyn, for us to, to talk more, to break the taboos um, and to talk about it, not just in terms of symptoms, but in this whole transition, what it means for us and, and, and really raising these kinds of issues like the early menopause in that conversation. Yeah. And just therefore knowing what the symptoms are. I mean, if I, you know, I mean, um, you know, my mother had, uh, as I said, you know, had been through the menopause, but actually relatively to, I know a lot of women I've, and I've worked with and know, you know, women who've had some terrible, you know, experiences in terms of their symptoms, you know, relatively my mum's symptoms were fairly minor. Yeah. Um, so my experience of, you know, even her going through the menopause, um, you know, it was, was sort of probably quite light touch. Um, you know, she did have symptoms, but they were not as extreme as, as some women experienced. So my knowledge of the menopause was just really inadequate. And I think that's for me, it's about let's talk about it for women, um, you know, really early on so that we can recognize the symptoms and the signs when they start to happen. Absolutely. And I think I, I'm glad that this conversations like this and, and that are happening out in the media are happening. I mean, I'm, I'm personally really encouraged and I'm encouraged that you as well are part of this whole conversation, this raising and breaking of taboos so that we talk about it and we get the support we need. And when we don't get it, we kind of rattle cages and are able to do that. Yeah. And I, and, and that's one of my things, you know, again, you know, I can go back to my experience in terms of my, my medical experience and, and the fact that that was inadequate. Um, I think that, um, that, you know, for me, that's one of the things I'm really passionate about. You know, if we went and I don't know, if we went out to buy a car and we went to a garage and, you know, the, the person that we dealt with, you know, the salesperson wasn't really that bothered or they weren't, didn't seem very knowledgeable about the cars that they had for sale, we'd go somewhere else. You know, we'd either ask to speak to yep. a different salesperson who knew more or we'd go to a different garage. Yep. And I think we need to see that. You know, I was very much brought up in a generation, um, you know, through my parents of, you know, GPs are, you know, very knowledgeable and they've, you know, and, and um, you know, been very highly trained and we're sort of quite deferential. But at the end of the day, it's a service um, and we have to treat it like a service. And if the service that we're getting is inadequate and it doesn't feel quite right, then you have the right to go and go somewhere else or, or ask to see someone else. So I think we need yeah. to be brave enough to do that rather than just go away and go, well, my, my GP's told me that, you know, there's nothing wrong with me and, and I'm fine. If you, if you don't feel fine, you know, go back or go and see somebody different, go to a different surgery, go, you know, wherever. Yeah. Um, so I think we need to demand a better standard. Um, firstly, be brave enough to do that. Um, and, and the other thing I'm, I'm really, really passionate about is that making sure that menopause is not just a women's issue. Um, we need to educate the men in our lives as well as the women yes. in our lives. Yes. Um, because, you know, I also have friends, you know, I can think of one friend in particular who says, you know, oh, um, you know, she's sort of had, you know, a couple of, dare I say, sort of moody episodes um, <laughs> where she's not, you know, not being herself, really out of yeah. character, not being herself. And she says, you know, she realizes afterwards that her husband's sort of sitting there you know, sort of almost hiding, um, but clearly sort of thinking, what the hell? Um, yeah. And he, you know, and it's about having that dialogue and we need to need to make sure that the men in our lives, because the men in our lives are, you know, they manage women at work, um, you yeah. know, the men in our lives, you know, they, they have, um, you know, sisters, wives, partners, nieces, daughters, mm -hmm. you know, we need to make sure that the conversation is happening with everybody because 
men also need to understand what this bonkers thing is that women go through and can go through for like up to 10 years um, absolutely let's help yeah. them understand yeah um, so let's not make it just a women thing no and let's make this a i mean it, it's a societal thing uh, and when yeah. we look at it like that it we are 50 percent, 51 percent of the of the society is female but we need if yeah. we don't have men on the journey as you rightly said men are leaders at work and they have female members of their family and we can't keep on um, not talking about this. We can't say it's secret women's business. It's 2020 in a few weeks' time. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I get very disappointed because, I mean, I live here in Sweden. You'd have thought this was the most liberated open country. Ha, ha, you know. And then yeah. you, I talk about this in business meetings, that this is I coach women through menopause. And, and I can see Swedish men shuffling in seats and i'm thinking goodness yeah. me we're in a society if if you who think you lead the world in equality uh, are doing this what hope is there in in other societies where i think it's more difficult where lots of women's issues are difficult menstruation abortion whatever uh, are just so pressed down how are mm. we going to change this because we're not women aren't going back we're not going back to being our mother's generation or before that we we know that we can ask for our rights stand up drive forward and and this is this is something we've got to do there's too many women now who are 50 plus in our society yes. making valuable contribution you know so it's time yeah, to and they, yeah and and you know the, the sort of 50 plus population of women is actually the grow, the fastest growing population yes. of people at work yep. um and you know there's there's stats out there which i you know i won't try and remember um myself but you know i know things like the um so i work in hr so um you know the chartered institute of personnel and development um they have some really great um information actually about um the menopause and sort of dealing with the menopause at work and there's information for line managers and individuals so they have some really good stuff but they're talking about how you know there's a really worrying percentage of women who um, leave their jobs yep. because of the menopause and their sort of embarrassment, their inability to deal with the symptoms, the drop in their confidence because of the sort of brain fog stuff. Yep. Um, yes. And they end up leaving their jobs. And so we've got, you know, we've got this really valuable um, group of women who have, you know, probably trained for a long time, got a lot of experience or just got a lot of life experience who are just leaving the workplace because they're not being helped and supported with dealing with their yeah. symptoms whilst they go through the menopause. And, th and there's no organisation or society that can afford to do that. It, no. It, it's, you know, it's a, it's a valuable, women are, make such a contribution that making small adjustments and understanding in the, in the workplace will make such a huge difference. But yeah. if it only gets talked about by putting hot fan, you know, cold fans on desks and stuff like that, then that's not going to change it. It's about understanding and empathy and in the workplace about what this is about and being able to have flexible working. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a big, that's a big step. I mean, you're in HR and you know that that's not so easy to implement in some organisations. No, certainly not. There's uh, still, you know, quite a lot of resistance. And, um, and I was, you know, talking um, uh, the other day, uh, you know, on, on this very topic and um, with some people. And uh, one of the questions we got was, well, well why would like working from home help? Um, you know, that was a question that got raised and it's like, well, it's because, you know, there's going to be days where somebody's like a bit more emotional than normal. 
um, I said, you know, to get into the nuts and bolts of it, you know, uh, you know, periods are very, very variable and can be like very heavy and it's quite difficult to manage that at work can be quite embarrassing and worrying to manage that at work. So if somebody can work from home, they're able to manage that in the comfort of their own home. They're able to wear what they want. So they, you know, if they are suffering from um, hot flushes on that particular occasion, you know, so, so again, it's that lack of understanding of like, well, I don't really understand why like working at home is going to just help somebody. And if they go through the menopause for 10 years and they just want to work at home, then they're going to be at home for 10 years. It's like, no, that's not. No, that's <laughs> not the case because we're very unlikely to have a hot flush for 10 years. Though. 10 years, yes. <laughs> only a couple of years in, in the whole process, maybe. Um, but, but yeah, it's that lack of understanding. And I think it's a lack of understanding of the symptoms, how they play out and, and making small adjustments could make a massive difference to the way yeah. people feel. I mean, I know in my own personal case, uh, you know, I had a very high levels of anxiety and, and, it, and yeah. it's not fun to have an anxiety attack in front of your brand new mark, head, of mark, you know, head of group marketing. It's, it's gotcha. and they think, so this senior manager is obviously useless or something. Well, whatever yeah. he thought I was. So they must have thought I was very strange. And I, that was like his first day there. And I'm, th and I'm like, watch, it's like watching yourself and thinking, I can't stop this happening. This is no. terrifying, you know. So, so it's about having permission. It's about understanding. And it's about the providing the right support services for women whatever they might be yeah yeah most definitely and i think that's like i said we have to like you say it's a societal issue so you have to just take everybody on that journey you do that has been so fantastic carolyn talking to you and hearing your journey which has been you know a huge one you know on so many levels but it's also heartening to hear how you now in your role can make such a big difference to how other women are going to experience this life transition which which we have to go through yeah certainly and i think you know it's it's it is just about keeping the dialogue going um the more that we say the word menopause i'm hoping the less the sort of uncomfortable um we get uh, with it so that's what i just you know trying to get out there not ram it down people's throats i think that doesn't help either but you know just use whatever opportunities and channels we've got just to to like i said just keep raising the dialogue yeah, and, and the dialogue as well, as we talked about doctors and doctors training, we may be able to impact less that, but I think by talking about experiences like yours, we are also raising that something needs to shift and change in that space, and that takes longer. I think that could take another yeah. generation of training, training doctors, but if we don't have that dialogue, then women are going to be failed, not because doctors are bad, but because they just haven't had the right kind of training to understand this time of life that half of their patients are going through going to go through yeah yeah very much i'd just like to say thank you very much carolyn i've really enjoyed talking to you you too thank you for the opportunity I'll just close this out and say to my listeners i hope that you've found this story very inspiring despite some of the very difficult things that Carolyn so generously shared, I think for me, my take out, and I hope that your take out is that early menopause can happen, that we need to be getting support and we need to be pushing if we're not getting that support. And we are on a journey to change our perceptions as a society about menopause. So if you get the opportunity to talk about your menopause or other people's menopause, then joining that, joining other voices is going to change things. Until our next episode, I hope that you um, get a chance to raise your voice 
and in the meantime also go well. money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.